Welcome everyone to the Score Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host Justin Boone, the lead fantasy analyst at the Score, and today's episode is presented by Subway's $6 barbecue pulled pork mighty melt combo. Try it today. The season is back. We are officially at the start of week 1. Teams are preparing for the openers. This season we're going to be releasing two episodes of the show every single week. One on Monday where we're going to go over all the fallout from that week's games. We'll take a look at the early waiver wire pickups you can target. And then a second episode just like we did last year on Wednesday where we're going to look ahead to the coming games, preview next week's slate, all the biggest fantasy questions that you need answered, all that sort of stuff. And we'll continue to have great guests throughout the season, though today you are stuck with just me. I'm going solo on this one. And on today's show... We don't have any games to recap yet, but there was tons of news that came out over the weekend. Cut down day happening. The Texans basically deciding to remake parts of their roster through a few massive trades. Some shocking stuff. LaShawn McCoy signing with the Chiefs. Just lots of stuff here to catch up on. Before we get into that, though, if you haven't drafted yet, the Score Fantasy Football Draft Kit has all my latest rankings, tiers, auction values, all that stuff is updated. You can see where I have some of these guys who changed teams over the weekend. And as we shift into the regular season schedule here, you can find all my content on the Score app in the NFL Fantasy News section. As I mentioned, the Bills set LaShawn McCoy free over the weekend. He surprised some by signing with the Chiefs. I know there is a connection there with him and Andy Reid from their time back with the Eagles. Really further complicates the backfield situation in KC, though. But here's how I'm approaching it now with McCoy there. I still have Williams as the starter. He has fallen some, though. Now he's fallen down into that low-end RB2 range in my rankings. I expect that McCoy is going to start the year and have a role. That seems to be what the beat writers are saying. And if that happens, that is going to push Thompson to the back of the pack, at least initially, right? But Shady isn't the back that he once was. We're talking about a 31-year-old running back. He's approaching 3,000 career touches. He's not that far off, 150 or so touches. So this season, if he continues to have a big role, he would crack that 3,000 touch barrier. And his effectiveness has really waned over the last few years. He was 61st out of 72 qualified running backs in Pro Football Focus's elusive rating last season. I don't love yards per carry as a metric, but McCoy was at a career low 3.2 yards last season. That's nearly a full yard below his previous worst mark. So when you see massive swings like that, that could be kind of telling. So this isn't the same McCoy that we're used to that we saw in years past. He'll come in, he'll help them initially to start the year, the first month maybe or so, but I still expect that Thompson's role is going to grow as the year goes on here, and unless I'm desperate for someone to get into my starting lineup as an RB2 or something very early in the season, I would actually still rather have Thompson on my fantasy bench purely for the upside. I don't believe that McCoy is the kind of back that is going to be able to put up a massive season here, barring everyone else in that backfield gets hurt, and now he's the only guy. Maybe in that scenario, it could potentially happen, but I don't think he's as good as he once was, and I think in this backfield right now, you're still going to see Damian Williams get the majority of the touches, And then as the year goes along, Darwin Thompson is an incredibly talented back. He is going to start to eat into McCoy's role 
And I think overtake McCoy at some point this year in that number two job. And like I said, it's possible that McCoy could thrive in this Chiefs offense. It really is. I mean, most backs could probably thrive in this Chiefs offense. But when we're looking at the range of outcomes here, we need to remember which version of McCoy we're dealing with now. And there's a reason why the Bills moved on from him here, right? That is part of this. The Bills have a younger back that they're excited about. They have a veteran. Together, those two combined are capable of handling the load there and likely giving them more than McCoy can at this stage in his career, at least in my opinion. And for Buffalo, that's Devin Singletary and Frank Gore. The rookie gets the biggest bump here by far. This puts him into the RB3 range in my rankings and really gives him some RB2 upside if he can thrive with that extra work that he's going to get. Frank Gore might be a sneaky, low-ceiling kind of play in some good matchups, especially in week one where they're going against the Jets here. But Gore has been completely touchdown dependent for fantasy over the last few seasons here. And when you're talking about an offense where Josh Allen is going to continue to be involved in the rushing game, especially around the goal line, and then you have Singletary there as the back that the Bills really would like to feature moving forward here, it just gives Gore very little upside. So he's somebody that when I'm talking about those desperation kind of plays, you need somebody to get in your starting lineup in a deeper league. Maybe that's when you look at someone like Gore, but the upside definitely is not there. Singletary moves into the mid thirties in my rankings. So right alongside guys like uh, Darius Geis, for example, they're both talented young runners, guys who could be fantasy starters, but their offenses are going to limit them in fantasy this season and keeps them down in that range. But the potential is there for more if we see more from the offense or if they turn out to just be that good and they can overtake the other guys in their backfields. We also have to talk about Carlos Hyde being shipped off to the Texans here. It's not like this one was a surprise. Like I mentioned earlier, we saw him sort of slipping to the back of that running back room in Kansas City. And this was like the third most notable trade that the Texans made on the weekend, right? They sent Jadavian Clowney to Seattle. Then they get a big package of picks together, send that to Miami for Laramie Tunsil and Kenny Stills. Laramie Tunsil joining that offense. We know that that offensive line is one of the worst in the league. Now you're going to add Tunsil there. Think about uh, where the Seahawks were, and oddly enough, they made a trade with the Texans when they got Dwayne Brown, and Dwayne Brown was a pretty good left tackle for the Texans. He got shipped off to Seattle, and that's when Seattle's offensive line started to take shape, right? Once you put in that guy at left tackle that you can trust, now all the other pieces start to slot in a little easier. The line kind of stabilizes. We could see that happen here. Tunsil showing up definitely a positive for all the skill position players in Houston. Deshaun Watson, just any kind of protection. You see some of the clips of Watson where, you know, he's just evading tacklers just to get a shot to throw the ball downfield kind of thing. Hopefully he's going to be a little better protected now. Hyde joins this backfield. It's sort of wide open still, right? Lamar Miller's done for the year. Duke Johnson and Hyde now. Not overly exciting to me, but Duke is in that RB3 flex range. When it comes to PPR leagues, he's right on that fringe RB2. Hasn't been someone that I'm targeting a whole bunch. I don't have him on a lot of teams. Not totally sold on him as a lead back. And we know Hyde could come in and just sort of be that thorn in his side, right? Maybe not be that effective, but 
they maybe don't want to give Duke Johnson a, a complete workhorse role here. And that might be for good reason, right? When you see some of these guys, I know when the, the initial move happened, when the trade happened and Duke Johnson showed up there, I, I talked about how uh, Lamar Miller left Miami to go to Houston because he wanted to prove himself as a three down back as a potential workhorse didn't really work out for him. Duke Johnson seems to be in a similar situation. We're going to see if Duke can really handle that role as well. For Hyde, he struggled the last few seasons here. And now we're talking about this is his fifth team in the last two years. That in itself is pretty telling. He's worth rostering just based on the opportunity because we don't really know what Duke Johnson is yet. So Hyde is worth rostering if he's out on your waiver wire, you can get him for free. Just grab him and see what happens. But he would have to be the last man standing in that backfield in order to have real fantasy value on your roster. Once again, don't see the upside for a player like that. I would rather have a younger, one of the rookie backs maybe that we've talked about in recent weeks. Get those guys on your lineup. Just stash them and let's see what they turn out to be. The ceilings are probably going to be higher than somebody like Hyde would have. Kenny Stills also going to Houston, like I said in that one deal earlier with Tunsil. This one's kind of interesting to me. And if you remember, when the clowny trades were being floated out there, there was a report that one of the things the Texans wanted back was a receiver. And at the time, that seemed very odd, right? Because they have Hopkins and Fuller and Kiki Cutie. But Cutie is coming back from this ankle injury. We don't know if he's going to be available week one or even early in the season. You have Fuller coming off the torn ACL last year. Maybe he hasn't gained his form completely back. Maybe the team's not you know, super confident that he's going to be able to play like he has in the past in these opening weeks of the season. So we don't totally know where Stills slots in. But if I can own a piece of this Texans passing attack, of this Deshaun Watson passing game, I'm willing to use a bench spot early in the season just to see where Stills is going to fall on that depth chart. And sometimes that's all you want out of these bench stashes, right? It's a guy that you're willing to roster in the first week, maybe two weeks to see if that breakout happens. And sometimes you know immediately in week one, this is going to work out or it's not going to work out. Other times might take a couple weeks before you're sure, but but Stills fits the mold of a week one waiver wire pickup, right? He's 26% owned, so he's widely available, and there is a path to production there if things fall his way. And that's where it gets a little tricky when you're talking about these waiver wire columns, right? Because when you're recommending players, some owners are looking for the upside lottery ticket kind of guys. Others are just looking for that one-week fill-in to try to cover an injury. You know, someone's in their lineup that's hurt. They need to fill that spot for one week. So in these articles, in these podcasts all year long, I'm going to try to hit on both. And you'll be able to see my extensive list. I'm going to write a waiver wire column every week, starting with later today. We'll have that up on the Score app. It's going to go up every Monday night, and it's going to go over a variety of players. The guys who are owned in, you know, 50 to 60% of leagues, but also the guys who are only owned in, you know, 1% to 2% of leagues. So so deeper leagues, there will be players in there that you'll be able to target as well. So let's start at quarterback. 
None of these options come without risk, but there is also significant upside with these guys. The first one might surprise you, it's Jimmy Garoppolo of the 49ers, and I know there were mixed reports on him throughout the offseason and into the preseason. He had some pretty bad practices, apparently. He had some pretty bad showings in the preseason, but he also rebounded. He's playing in an offense that we know can produce. He's 57% owned, so he might already be taken in your league but he gets this matchup with the Bucks in week one. They are on the road, but that Bucks defense still doesn't look great. And the Bucks are going to be able to put up points themselves. So this game could definitely turn into a shootout here. I like Jimmy G there. You're going to have his weapons. As long as Kittle and Pettis, all these guys are on the field. We're going to see a good game in week one out of him. I also like Josh Allen as well. He's 34% owned, but he gets to go against the Jets. They're a little banged up in their secondary. We know last year over the last six weeks, Allen was the QB1 in fantasy with his rushing ability. We've talked during the offseason about improvements on the offensive line and them getting him some new weapons like Devin Singletary, who we talked about earlier. So Allen always has a shot to put up a top 10 week. One of the best replacement guys you can get out there and potentially a guy who could turn in to a weekly starter for you in fantasy as well. I'll also mention one more name, Matthew Stafford. Not someone that I have been high on whatsoever, but similar to the matchup we were talking about with Garoppolo there, he's going to go against the Cardinals. He's on the road as well, but that Cardinals defense not looking really great. Patrick Peterson suspended to start the year here. They also have injuries at their cornerback spot, so they're going to be able to get thrown on early in the season, and if that offense is what we expect it to be for the Cardinals, they're going to be running a lot of plays. That could lead to a shootout situation as well, where the Lions are forced to abandon the run and maybe go to more of a passing attack there. So I think Stafford's going to be able to have his way with that Cardinals defense in week one, and I think that's going to turn out pretty well for fantasy owners who are desperate for a starter though at this point it seems like cam newton's gonna play most teams should be okay unless you went into your draft expecting just to stream quarterbacks for the whole season which is something we talked to jj zacharyson about in the last couple weeks how you can really get away with that you can really not draft a quarterback pick someone up off the waiver wire each week though it is a difficult way to live from week to week in fantasy at running back i am shocked that some of these young upside runners are still available out there. Justice Hill on the Ravens, they get a great matchup with the Dolphins in week one. The Dolphins definitely seem like they're tanking after trading away Tunsil and after some of the guys they've released recently. Justice Hill is only 28% owned, and I'm big on Mark Ingram to start the season. I think Ingram's going to have a good year, but we know how much the Ravens are going to run the ball They place Kenneth Dixon on IR. That basically guarantees that Hill's going to step up into this change of pace role there. And he's someone that as the year goes along, if something happened to Ingram, we could see Hill break out in a big way in that offense. So even if you're not looking to start him this week, though, I think he could be a flex play. Even if you're not looking to start him, he's someone that should be owned in almost every league out there and should be stashed away on your bench for week one. How about another guy that's going to be used similar to how I think Justice Hill is going to be deployed early in the season here, Deion Lewis. Now, this is a veteran. We're talking about a guy that's closer to the end of his career here, but Lewis is the pass-catching back 
in Tennessee. We've seen uh, Derrick Henry deal with this calf injury. Appears like he's going to be available for week one, but are they going to want to give him a massive workload? I think we're going to see a little more from Lewis in that game, and he's going to continue to be the pass catcher in that backfield throughout the season, which has been very productive for him in recent years. So they're getting to play the Browns. It's in Cleveland. He's 46% owned, so maybe he's already taken in your league. But this is a guy that if this turns into a shootout, if they're trailing, and that Browns team looks pretty good this season, there's a good chance that Tennessee is going to be behind in that game. They could turn it over to Lewis in catch-up mode. He could rack up a bunch of receptions in that one. There's a few other players out there that I'm not overly excited about, but they could really be the, the starters on their teams in week one. One is Peyton Barber. He's 55% owned. We don't know what's going to happen in that backfield. It's sort of a mess. That would have been a nice landing spot to see one of these other guys end up who got cut, but they haven't picked anyone up there. I think they're going to go with Barber as the lead back, and he's not a very exciting option, but he's someone that could give you decent numbers in a tough spot if you are looking for someone to start in your lineup in week one. Kalen Balazs is in a similar situation, but that is a very tough matchup going against the Ravens, so not someone that I'm going to be starting many places. And Justin Jackson is still kind of interesting. Only 30% owned, despite right now it seems like there's a pretty good chance that Melvin Gordon won't be there week one. And if that's the case, Jackson is going to have a role in that backfield, potentially maybe even like a 40% share of the touches there. Not going to be very involved as a pass catcher, but might split the early down work with Austin Eckler. And they're going up against the Colts who don't have Andrew Luck in this one. So it's a game where we could see Jackson produce, potentially score a touchdown, even assuming Melvin Gordon doesn't show up week one. At wide receiver, some of the guys who are on the higher end of ownership in the waiver wire column. John Brown at 47%, Geronimo Allison at 58%, so right up there pushing the limit, and Anthony Miller at 44%. These are all guys that I heavily targeted in the mid to late rounds in drafts. I'm shocked that they've gone undrafted in this many leagues. If you can get them on your waiver wire, I absolutely would do it. I'm looking at them as Brown, Allison, and Miller could all come out right away. They have wide receiver three upside. Love the matchup for Brown in that week one game against the Jets. Banged up secondary right now. I think we could see him break at least one, maybe a couple passes deep. Could put up a big day there. I'm still betting on Allison to be the number two in that Packers receiving core over Marquez Valdez-Scantling. I'd like to see that he's at 58% owned. I think that should be much higher though. And then Anthony Miller, Played through injuries last year, still scored seven touchdowns. If we want to dig a little deeper here, how about a couple of receivers on the Saints? Traquan Smith, Ted Ginn Jr., both deep ball guys, both speedsters can get behind a defense. Let's see them get out there in what I think is going to be a very interesting game. The Saints and the Texans, two high-powered offenses. This could be one of the games where we see Breeze have to throw a little more than the Saints normally do. We'll see how that game unfolds. I would be willing to throw one of those guys in my lineup as a flex play, especially Traquan Smith. If I had to pick between them, Traquan Smith has a chance to do more as the season goes on. Could be a sneaky breakout guy in his second year. Another pair of teammates, this time for the 49ers, Marquise Goodwin, Debo Samuel. 
Goodwin 28% owned, Samuel 20% owned. They're playing in that game with the Bucks. We want to target games where we think there could be a lot of points scored. That is definitely one of them there. If I had to pick between the two, it would be Goodwin at this point. Later in the season, though, Samuel is going to come on. In very deep leagues, guys that are 5% owned or less, who have a chance of becoming something this season and putting up good numbers in week one? Albert Wilson on the Dolphins, Miles Boykin on the Ravens, Terry McLaurin on the Redskins. I don't really want to invest in that Redskins offense, but with Josh Doxson getting released, that puts McLaurin in a position to start now. He could be a very sneaky play, has some history with Dwayne Haskins as well later in the season when Haskins gets under center. And we'll round it out with tight end which is a one-off position here, right? So at the one-off positions like quarterback and tight end, normally it's a little easier to find somebody to throw into your lineup for that week. At tight end, I'm looking at Darren Waller going against the Broncos. He's only 22% owned, got rave reviews out of Raiders camp. We know how they used Jared Cook last year. Now with Antonio Brown, I don't think their tight ends are going to see as much volume, but Waller has a chance to put up some good numbers, be a a lower-end breakout at the tight end position this year. TJ Hawkinson, the rookie, we don't normally want to invest in rookie tight ends. We don't normally want to trust them in our starting lineup in their first NFL game either. But in that game against the Cardinals, with how bad that Cardinals defense is looking, Hawkinson did catch a decent amount of passes in the preseason as well. It's a good sign that they're going to want to get him involved. It was with the starting offense. I think Hawkinson could come out and have a nice game for you here. He's someone I'd be willing to throw in, though he is 53% owned. And remember, the waiver wire column that I am going to do all year long, starting with today's, has way more names in it at each position. So you can go and check that out. If you're in the deeper leagues and you need somebody, you can check that article out. There'll be lots of names down at the bottom for you. That's all for today's show. Like I said off the top, if you haven't drafted yet, the Score Fantasy Football Draft Kit is still your one-stop shop that can guide you through your draft. Make sure you subscribe to the alerts from the NFL Fantasy News section on the Score app and to the podcast on whatever podcast platform you're using. You can also follow me on Twitter, at Justin Boone. Big thanks to the Texans for making the weekend super exciting with all those trades. Big thanks to everybody out there for listening, and we'll see you next time. Said leave on time, my baby said leave on time Leave on time with me tonight